It's good to see everybody this morning. How many of you are actually glad to be here? Good. All right. Hey, would you do me a favor? We've got a bunch of friends over in the west side of town watching by video. Would you welcome them to our, to our service this morning as well? That's campus. So a few weeks ago, we kicked off a series called uh, Make War, all about spiritual warfare. And uh, many of you thought we're going to receive some nice, good, nice thoughts, good teaching, hopefully, on some, some biblical truth on what Satan's up to, his activity in the world and how it relates to the world around us and how it relates to our lives. And then we would just kind of get through this series and smooth, just nice and smooth into the next series. Just sail right along. What many of you didn't realize was that you were getting ready to experience spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, what is that? Spiritual, spiritual warfare firsthand. You are going to be a participant. You are going to enter in a part of a battle you never even knew existed. And here you are all these years, you may have had a little simmering of spiritual warfare going on in your life, but now all of a sudden, some of you are in this position where things are, are, are at a boiling point. Things are actually bubbling over. Your marriage has taken a hit. I mean, there is, there is friction between you and your spouse that maybe wasn't there a few weeks ago. All of a sudden, you have gotten blindsided by an issue with one of your children. I mean, you, there, there's a cloud that has just kind of settled over your family. Misunderstandings have taken place between you and others. I mean, all of a sudden, there's just disunity and, and, and division that has crept into your life that wasn't there before. Or all of a sudden, there's just a conflict with someone at work, and you are consumed by it. I mean, you are just having these verbal things going on in your head where you are arguing with them. You'll never do it in real life, but you are playing it out inside your head. I mean, it just consumes you. Or there's confusion around you. I mean, you can't make sense of what's happening in your life. I mean, just everything's cloudy. Or all of a sudden, fear has settled into your heart that didn't used to be there. There's this doubt, there's this uncertainty that all of a sudden just has you paralyzed. And you're just standing right where you are. Or maybe you're just trapped in a sin right now that you weren't even dealing with, wasn't even an issue five weeks ago. And all of us, in the midst of all of this, we are all reacting in many, many, many different ways. And you're just sitting here, a lot of us are going, what in the world is happening around me? What is going on in my life? Why is all of this happening? How did I get to this point? Well, listen, some of you have brought it on yourself, just to be honest with you, because you've made some really stupid choices lately. But some of you need to realize that you are in the middle of spiritual warfare. Now, when you made some choices, here's what happened. I mean, Satan has taken advantage of a situation. But I want to tell you from God's word what exactly is going on in a lot of your lives this morning. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn there. And we're going to start in verse 10. And I want to, I'm going to let God's word speak into this issue so you hear directly from God of what's taking place. Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, we are in a war. We are in a spiritual battle. 
There is spiritual warfare going on around us all the time. Now listen to me. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your children. Your enemy is not your brother. It is not your sister. It is not your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your mom, your dad. It's not your neighbor. It's your, not your coworker. even though you may think they're a jerk. Listen, they're not your enemy. You say, what are you talking about? Well, Paul just said it. This is God's words. The enemy is rulers, authorities against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That describes who our enemies are. You are in a spiritual battle. And most of the time, you don't even realize it. Most of the time, you don't even see it. And for many of you, it's ramped up because we're talking about it here at Westridge Church. We're exposing our enemy. We're exposing his schemes. We're exposing his plans. And you know what Satan's doing? He's deciding to show off a little bit right now. He's just decided he's going to flex his muscles a little bit to show you just a taste of what he is capable of doing. And let me tell you what else is happening. The spiritual battle that is going around in your life, whatever that looks like, it is exposing your faith. This is a test. It's a test to see who your faith is really anchored in. If your faith is anchored firmly in God alone, then you see it for what it is. You know where the attacks are coming from. You know that you're a child of God and you're looking at Jesus and you're responding with spiritual weapons. But if not, and if you are, you are most likely responding in the flesh, which is leading you into pride or fear or confusion, which is leading you into sin, most likely you're finding yourself getting deeper and deeper and deeper into despair and conflict and trouble. Why? Because you've opened a door for Satan to have a field day in your situation. Now, what is spiritual warfare? Tony Evans describes it like this. He says, spiritual warfare is an ongoing conflict being waged in the invisible spiritual realm that is being manifest in the, phys- in the visible physical realm. Now, throughout scripture... We are given several words, several pictures, several words of advice on how to deal with Satan and spiritual warfare. We're told in James 4 to 7 that we are to resist the devil. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves there to God, resist the devil, and he will do what? Flee from you. We're told to pray. Next week, we're going to be talking about praying in the spirit. What does it look? How does prayer play into this whole battle of spiritual warfare? We're told in the, in the word to pray without ceasing. And we're going to talk again next week about this because it is such a vital tool in this battle. But this morning, I want to zone in on two words that God has been speaking into my heart over the last many, 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 many weeks. In verse 13, I want you to, to look at it again. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, say it with me, stand firm. Now we are told three times in that passage alone to stand. We're told to stand firm. Why? Because Satan has a scheme. He has a scheme. We're told to stand firm because we are in an ongoing war. There's an ongoing battle around us. We're also told to stand firm because we are facing some evil days. Now, how many of you have ever had a day where you just thought, man, this is a bad day? 
This, I'd call this an evil day. I mean, you're just looking, this evil day, I'm ready to get this evil day behind me. There's evil things going on. I just, I can't, there's a cloud of confusion. There's doubt, uncertainty. People are coming against you, attacking you and you go, this is a bad day. This is an evil day. All right. Now listen, there's a story. All right. There's a story in the Bible where Peter denies Jesus three times in one day. He, de- he denies that he never knew him. He denies that he was his follower. Now, I want to tell you something. When you have a day like that, that's what I'd call an evil day. Now, I want to tell you, that's in Luke 23. In Luke 22, Jesus had a conversation with Peter before Jesus was ever arrested. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, I want to tell you something. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. In other words, Peter, he wants to mess with you. He's going to shake you up a bit. But Jesus says, I'm praying for you, Peter. I'm praying that your faith will not fail, but when you come back, you're gonna be stronger than ever. Well, what happened? Peter has a bad day. Peter has an evil day, all right? And all of a sudden, Peter denies Jesus. But when he returns, where's the next time we see Peter? Where is it? It's in the book of Acts. We see him in the book of Acts stronger than ever. He is full of the Holy Spirit. And what is he doing? He is standing firm. Now, how are we to stand firm in this battle that we're in? There are three things you've got to know. Some of this is going to be review if you were here a few weeks ago. All right. Number one, you have got to know your adversary. You have to know who your adversary is. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. Again, I'm going to read it again for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to say these words to them. You are not my enemy. Go ahead. I know some of you are struggling right now, because on the way to church, you had a lot of issues going on. You didn't have an evil day. You were having an evil ride to church. Okay. You woke up with an evil morning. Now, some of you still holding out. I'm going to stay here all day long until you make things right with the person next to you. All right. Come on now. Look at, say you, if you're struggling, just get over it, get over your pride. All right. And say, you're not my enemy. Okay. Well, then if they're not their enemy, then who is our enemy is Satan and his forces. That's what we just read. But here's what we have to remember. You ready for this? Satan is powerful, but he is not all powerful. Satan is knowing, but he's not all knowing. Satan moves very fast, but he can't be everywhere at one time. And he has two objectives. If you walked into this church this morning and you are not a follower, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You have never put your faith and trust in him alone. Here is his objective for your life this morning. All right. He wants to blind your mind to truth. How do you know that? Second Corinthians four, four, it says this, the God of this age, Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so if you're still denying truth, if you, if you can't see it, Satan is at work blinding you from the word, just from the gospel, from the good news of what Jesus has done for you, for the opportunity that's been presented to you to become a Christ follower. Now, if you are a believer, you have at one point in your life, you put your faith and trust in Christ alone. 
I want you to know what Satan's up to right now in your life. He wants you to live a defeated life. He wants to create confusion and misunderstanding in your home, at your job, with your neighbor, between friends, at school, all over the place. He wants to create confusion, misunderstanding. He wants to stir up disunity amongst the believers. Why? Because he knows if Westridge Church is disunified, then we become anemic in our mission to get people on a life change journey to become followers of Jesus Christ, which is the mission statement of our church. If we become disunified, we become feeble in our attempts to be part of God's big plan to see Northwest Atlanta and the world come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. Now, many of you know that last week I was at the West Campus. And I want you to know, West Campus, I'm going to say this to you, and I want the rest of you to hear this. They are in a very, very vital, important outpost in the vision of this church. Oakleaf Church, which is in Cartersville, all right, our Oakleaf Campus, is a vital, important outpost of the mission of this church. And last week when I was at the West Campus, I challenged them with these very same words. And here's the words. Unity is critical. It is vital. God puts a huge priority on unity throughout scripture. Jesus prayed in John 17. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for his followers that they would be unified. Why? Because it's a witness to the world of God's love for them. When the world looks outside and they see that the church is unified, it is a witness to them. It it draws them to Jesus. It draws them to salvation. Jesus spoke these words to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus had just cast out some demons and the Pharisees, they just followed Jesus around and were just always bickering and complaining about everything he said and everything that he did. And Jesus finally looks at them and he says, listen, I want you to know something. Here's what he says. He says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Unity is critical. It's, 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 it's not even an option. It's crucial. But what you have to understand, whether it's in your home, whether it's, in, whether it's in your, with your neighbors, whether it's in your school, whether it's in the church, wherever it is. Listen, we're in a battle. We're in a battle as a church. We're in a battle with your, as families. We're in a battle as a community. And, if we're, and if, we're going to, if we're going to continue to move forward in this battle, we have got to stand firm. And if we're going to stand firm, then we better have a clear sight on who our enemy is. We've got to know who we're, who, who we're, who we're at war against. And it's not the person sitting next to you. But you also need to understand your authority. And I talked about this a few weeks ago, but I I just feel like I I need to remind you of this again. All right, listen. First of all, you need to realize you have been bought with a price. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been bought with a price. Jesus purchased you from the death grip that sin had over your life when he shed his blood on the cross for you. He defeated sin, he defeated death, he defeated Satan once and for all when he died on the cross and rose again from the grave. And so if you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, listen to me, you are a blood-bought child of God and you are already connected to the winner. Now, so in this battle called spiritual warfare, here's what you must understand. You ready? We are not fighting for victory, we are fighting from victory. We're not fighting for victory. The battle's already been won. We fight in this. We stand firm from a position of victory. Colossians 2.15 says, in this way, he, who is he? Jesus. 
He disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly. Now, I know that sometimes we look at the picture of Jesus on the cross, and I mean, we're going, my goodness, the pain. I'm telling you what, you talk about a painful death, but I want to tell you what was going on on that cross. A lot of things were going on, but one of the things you need to know that what was going on is that Jesus was hanging on the cross, shaming Satan and his followers publicly. It says he shamed them publicly. How? By his victory over them on the cross. In other words, the battle has already been won. The victory is already ours. And so that's why Ephesians says in, in verse 10, it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So you've been bought with a price. You also have legal authority over Satan. We talked about this a few weeks ago. We talked about our position in Christ and how Ephesians 2.6 says that we have been raised with Christ and seated with him in heaven. That means that we have access to heavenly power and authority. Your position in Christ gives you legal authority over Satan. You don't belong to Satan. He doesn't have authority over you. You are not his puppet. You are not helpless. You are not his tool. However, as I said a few weeks ago, here's what you need to understand. Your choice to sin gives Satan access to your life. Access to your mind, to your emotions, to your will. Satan cannot penetrate your life unless you choose to sin. Now, why does Satan want, what does Satan want to do? He wants to get a foothold. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Ephesians 4. Do not, in your anger, do not sin. Why? Because if you do, it opens up a foothold. Satan wants to get his foot in the door. Why? So he can create a stronghold. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is a mindset that accepts a situation is unchangeable, even though that situation is contrary to the will of God. A stronghold is something that has a stronghold on you. And listen, Satan wants to, ta- he wants to stake claim and operate off of ground that doesn't and never will ever belong to him again. Now, why? Well, because Satan wants to rob you of your spiritual blessings. He wants to rob you of spiritual victory that's already been given to you. Ephesians 1, 3. Satan wants you, as a believer of Jesus Christ, as one of God's own children, he wants you to feel spiritually poor. He wants you to be confused. He wants you to be defeated. He wants you to feel empty. He wants you to feel powerless. He wants you to feel hopeless. And he wants you to feel helpless. Because as long as you feel that way, you're not a threat in the war that's going on. You're not, in the, you're, not, you're not in the battle. You are no threat to what he's trying to do. But you need to understand, he has no right over you unless you choose to give it to him. And we talked a few weeks ago about the power of repentance. And how repentance and our confession of sin makes things, continuously makes things right between us and God. And continuously pushes Satan off of the ground that's not actually his, but from the place where he chooses to operate from. And it continues to make the the channel clear between us and God and our prayers and just being able to walk the victorious life. So here you say, what do I do? Help me. I'm in the midst of this battle. I'm struggling. You have to know your adversary. You have to know your authority, but you also have to know your armor. Verse 14, look at it. Stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take, on, take, on, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I want you to understand where, where this is being written. When Paul is writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, he is in jail. He's in chains. And he is, his visual view, he is looking at a Roman soldier. And he is giving us, he is looking at this Roman soldier. He's looking at all of his armor. And he's giving us not only a very physical picture, but he's giving us a spiritual picture of our armor and what we have as followers of Jesus Christ in this battle. He's describing our armor. So you have to know this armor. And he says, put on the full armor of God, not just one time, but every single day. Now let's talk a little bit about our armor. Last week, Paul Richardson did a great job laying out the first three pieces of our armor. He talked about the belt of truth. He talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And he talked about the shoes of peace. If you weren't here last week, you can get a CD or you can go and watch it online. Okay. Or download it off of iTunes or wherever. All right. But I want to say something about peace for a moment. Okay. Because there are two kinds of peace that are available to us. And I love this because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I need peace in my life. Two kinds of peace. Now, remember when Paul's looking at this soldier, he's got the shoes of peace. What did they have on him? They had cleats underneath him. You ever see, how many of you have little football players or baseball players in your house or soccer players? Okay. Anyone that wears cleats in your house. Okay. All right. So got cleats, metal spikes. He's looking at the soldier. He had to be able to stand firm in the battle. What kind of peace do we have? First of all, we have peace with God. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God once and through ever. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace forever. It's our position. We have peace with God. Peace is, things have been made right between us and God. But we also have, and I like this one, the peace of God. Now, when you get anxious, when you, when you start to worry, when you get overwhelmed, Philippians chapter 4 tells us, it says, pray and give thanksgiving to God. And then what will happen? Number seven, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which goes beyond your, your ability to understand, which goes way beyond the confusion and the chaos in your life. What will it do? It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there are many, many times I need my mind guarded with the peace of God. I need my heart guarded with the peace of God. And so I've got to, when I get stressed, worried, overwhelmed, I've got to go to the Lord in prayer. And I've got to thank him for what he's doing in my life and for this arm and what he's doing. And when that happens, I'm telling you, it's just like I feel this peace. The peace of God. It's available to you. Now, number four, let's talk about the shield of faith. Why do we need a shield? Paul says, so you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, the shield that a Roman soldier would carry into battle was about four and a half feet it was like a square piece of wood. It was a huge wooden shield that wouldn't, that wouldn't just cover the body of that one soldier, but had the ability to cover part of the body of the person that was standing next to them if they were fighting real, real close. It would, it, would, it, would, it would cover the person who was, if they were fighting side by side, it would bring them protection as well. Now these shields, they had hinges on them. And oftentimes soldiers would, would lock shields so they would become like a, like a human wall against the enemy's arrows. And if a soldier was wounded, what would he do? He would lock shields with the person next to him who was the stronger soldier. And he would lock, what for? For protection. Now do you see yourself in this picture? Do you see the picture here? Do you know anybody right now that is getting nailed right now by the enemy's arrows? 
Do you know anybody right now that is just getting, just getting blindsided by Satan, by air flaming missiles? What do we do? You lock shields with them and you help protect them. And Paul mentions the word flaming arrows here. Back in the day when this was written, soldiers, what they would do if they were on the ground or even if they were standing on top of a fort, they would, dip the, they would, they would take the, the tip of their arrow and they would dip it in tar, pitch. And they would let it on fire and they would just put it out in the air. And when it, whatever it hit, it would just set everything on fire. Now soldiers that were in, on the defense, they would take their shields and they would soak them down in wood. So that when those arrows were being shot, as soon as the arrow hit the wood, it would just go right out. The fire would go right out. It would just extinguish the fire. Your faith in God and your faith in the power of his word has the power to extinguish anything that Satan throws against you. You have temptation, you have temptation coming against you, shield of faith. Your faith in Jesus. You have doubt, you have fear, you have insecurities, you have confusion, you have chaos. Shield of faith. Now, if your faith is shaken a little bit right now, and some of you, I'm sure they are, it is, what do you do? You just lock shields with a solid, mature believer and you ask them to stand with you. Stand with you in the battle. I'm gonna tell you that there are men in this church that when I get shaken, and I do from time to time, I ask them if I can lock shields with them just for a little while and just cover me in prayer, lift my arms up. And we have to do that for each other. Now, Paul also talks about the helmet of salvation. A helmet, what would it do? It would protect the head. It would shield off fatal blows in, uh, in, 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 uh, to the head in hand-in-hand in hand combat. Okay, now, on this stage here, I have my son Zachary's football helmet. He plays uh, eighth grade football at North Paulding High School, and if he keeps playing football, eventually he'll, he'll have a helmet with a big N on it, all right? And some of you whose kids play football, they have a helmet with a big H for Hoyas, or they have a McKeetron Indian, or they have, a, they have a Spartan down at South Paulding, or they have a Raid over at East Paulding. I'm not going to keep going through it, so if I didn't mention your school, get over it. All right, so... Um, but there's a lot of times when I go to watch Zach play football and the other team has on the exact same color uniform. And I'm like, how in the world am I ever? And so I have to look at what? I have to look at the helmet. Because the helmet, the helmet gives me identification of where my son is. Now I want to tell you just, I'll just be honest with you. This has nothing to do with anything spiritual, but there are two helmets you will never see on this stage. One is an Ohio State Buckeyes helmet and the other one's a Florida Gator helmet. How about you? Okay. Now, the first one is because I'm from Michigan, all right? And I was trained to believe that way, okay? The other reason is I'm standing with my Georgia fans here because you're the majority, okay? So there you go. All right, if I was a pastor in Florida, okay. Now listen, listen, here's what you need to understand, all right? Here's what you need to understand. We all come from different families. We come from different backgrounds. Many of us have different skin colors. Some of us have come from different countries. We come here from different counties, different parts of the country. We, we have different styles that we like, different styles of music, different preferences, all of that stuff. But if you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ, here's what everybody at all three campuses of Westridge Church have in common. You ready for this? Our salvation. We are saved. What are we saved from? We're, we're saved from the eternal curse of sin. We are saved from an eternity separated from God. Salvation is our hope, not only for our present, but for tomorrow, but for our future. And you know what Satan wants to do? 
He wants to divide and conquer. But you know what our salvation is? It is our rallying point of identification. And he wants to, he wants to divide and conquer. He wants to get you off by yourself so that you're just wallowing in self-pity. He wants to separate you from the rest of the troops. Why? Because he knows there's power in numbers. He knows that there's an incredible power when a vast number of believers come together in the name of Jesus to tackle a cause. And that's one of the reasons why we have to keep adding numbers. We have to keep going after people. Why? Because there are power in numbers. We have to keep telling people about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus and bringing them into the fold because there are power, there's power. We're stronger in numbers. Now I want you to look around, look around this church right now, West campus, look around. What do you see? You see the body of Christ. You may not like this, but this is who you are going to spend eternity with. And some of you are thinking, there's a person right now. I know they're saved. I do not like them. I see them as my enemy. You may get to heaven and they may live right next door to you. God may say, I'm going to do this to you. Work this out. Hopefully that won't be an issue when we get there. But I want to tell you something. This is the body of Christ. And Jesus is the head of this body. Jesus is the head of this body. Now, what is the function of the head? The head is the control center of the body. Everything that makes the body do its thing comes from the head. You can survive a knife to the body. Now, if you took a knife to the heart, it'd be tough, okay? But if you took a knife to the head, I don't think you're going to survive. It's going to be tough on you, okay? But Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. And Satan has already tried to take a blow at Jesus. And Jesus put him down. Jesus put him down. So our strength and our salvation is found where? In him alone. Satan can swing away all he wants at you. He can swing away all he wants at the body of Christ. But he can't defeat you. He can't defeat us. Because our salvation is secure in Jesus. And here's what Satan knows. He knows he's already lost to the head, Jesus. So he's going to try to swing in every which way he can to divide the body. That's why we as a church have to continue to stand firm. We have to let our salvation in Jesus unite us. We have to let that be our rallying point. We have to let it compel us to want to add more to the ranks. Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6 verse 18. I wish you could see the picture. I've been to the place where Jesus spoke these words. It was a huge rock foundation that was behind him. He's talking to Peter. And he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, I'm going to read this in the King James. It says, thou, he says, and I, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, a lot of people look at that and they think Peter is the rock. Listen, Peter's just a stone. Jesus is the rock. He's the rock which the church is built on. As long as we continue to build this church on the true rock of Jesus and on biblical principles found in his word, Jesus himself said the gates of hell will not be able to come against us. All right? I got to tell you something. That's weak. All right? We are victorious believers, followers in Jesus Christ. And you just read that Jesus said the church. Come on now. Now, all right, let's talk about the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is our only offensive weapon. And the sword mentioned here is not, now last night or two nights ago, I had a sword ceremony for my 
getting ready to turn 13-year-old son, Zach, and this is the sword I presented to him. We did a man walk. Nine other men followed me around. They actually walked with him separately on a three-mile walk. We talked about godly principles, and then I gave him this sword. And I told him, I said, you are a knight in training. You are no longer seen in our home as a child. You are seen as a young man. And I gave him this sword. All right, now, here's what you need to understand. The sword that Paul's talking about here, he's looking at this Roman soldier. He's probably seeing one of these. He's talking about one of these. Okay? He's talking about a dagger. All right? He's talking about, he's talking about a, a knife that's sharp on both sides, pointed, very lethal, very effective in, in, in hand-to-hand combat. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is, a living, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, I want to give you a little interesting fact. The word that Paul uses here for the word, word, does not refer to the book. does not refer to the Bible as a written book of truth, even though it is all true. It's not about the book sitting on your bookshelf or, the, or the, the family Bible sitting on your coffee table collecting dust. What Paul is talking about here, he uses the Greek word rima. It's the spoken word of God. Paul is talking about the use of the word, not just the existence of the word. And almost, of you, almost every one of you in this room, you have at least one of these, and some of you have many, many of them, but some of you are in the battle and you have no idea how to use this in spiritual warfare. And I want to tell you something. Satan loves to hear your words. He loves to hear your complaining, your arguing, your doubting, your bickering, and he laughs in your face because your words have no power over him. Our authority over Satan comes from Jesus. Our offensive weapon to fight against Satan is the word of God. When Satan came against Jesus, Jesus didn't bicker with him. He didn't agree. He didn't complain. He didn't dialogue. He didn't argue. He threw the words of this book right back in his face. Every time he was tempted, he said, it is written. And he threw words right back at him. And when Jesus hit him with the word, the battle was over. As soon as the word, as soon as the word came out of his mouth, the battle was over. And listen to me, Satan is coming after your mind. He's coming after your will. He's coming after your emotions. He will lie to you. He will tempt you. He will confuse you. And every time he shoots a flaming arrow at you, you, here's what you have to do. You have to stay, you have to stand firm with the belt of truth securely placed around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place covering your heart. You got to stand firm with your shoes of peace firmly dug in. You got to stand firm with the shield of faith, ready to lock arms, lock shields with the person next to you when you get weak. You got to stand firm with the helmet of salvation securely placed around your head. And you've got to throw the truth, the word of God back in his face because Satan can handle you all day long, but he cannot handle the words of this book when they're used against him. Now, he has a scheme. He's got a scheme. Paul says it, the devil schemes. And he takes no prisoners. And listen to me, this is not a game. These are not nice words just found in a nice book. This is real life. This is not a game. And and, and I'm telling you, his plan is very clear and it's very laid out. And Jesus says it in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
steal, kill, and destroy. So if that's the plan, that's my adversary. I know my authority. How do I put this armor into gear? How do I get it working? How do I act? The armor is activated by a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It is activated, each piece of the, it's activated as we walk intimately, as we keep pursuing after him, as we keep following him. Because each piece of the armor comes from knowing Christ. This armor is all about Jesus, the belt of truth. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. The breastplate of, uh, breastplate of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1, 30, it says, Jesus is righteousness. The, sh- the shoes of peace. Philippians 4, 7, God is peace. The shield of faith. Where is our faith found? It's found in Jesus Christ alone. He is the source of our faith. The helmet of salvation. Jesus is salvation. John chapter 6, 14, 6, Jesus says it himself. He says, I am the way. The Bible says, for there is no other salvation known to man except through where? Jesus. And so... The sword of the spirit, John 1, 1, Jesus is the word. John 14, 6, he says he's also the truth. He's the truth. He's... So, so how are you going to do battle this morning? You got to know your adversary. You got to know your authority. You got to know your armor. So my question for you is how you doing? How's your armor? What shape is your armor in right now? Every single day. You have to put it on knowing that you're going into battle. You lay out your clothes in the morning or at night or whatever. You got all your stuff fixed. You know, some of you, you, you know how long it takes you to get ready in the morning. Some of you a lot longer than others, but you know what it takes. Part of your morning preparation is you go out the door before you, you got to put this, you got to put this armor on and know that you are going into battle with an enemy who takes no prisoners. And he feels no compassion or sympathy over you not even for a moment. He is out to kill you, steal from you, rob from you, and destroy you. And so here's the words for today, Westridge Church. You ready? Stand firm. Stand firm. Know your, know, know your adversary. Know your authority. Know your armor. And at the end of the day, stand firm. Bow your heads, please. Right now, I want to turn... Uh, the West Campus over to Steve Veal. Steve, take it away over there, my friend. Listen, if you're here this morning and, and you're listening and you, are, you, are, you realize, you know what? I've been blinded to truth. I can see it. I have been blinded to salvation, to an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right now, listen, with arms open wide, Jesus is offering you an opportunity to have a relationship with him, to know God the Father in a personal way. You say, how do I do that? Listen, I want you to pray with me right now, just in your heart. Just say this, Lord, right now I confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner. And I know that you have forgiven me because of what you have done alone on the cross. And at this very moment, I put my faith and my trust in you alone to be my personal Savior everything that you have already done for me, the sacrifice you made on the cross for my, for, my, for my sins was enough. I don't have to do another thing except for take my faith and my trust and put it in you alone.
you want to just, in your word, just thank the Lord for providing that for you, for allowing you to be a child of God, for giving you a hope for not only today, but for tomorrow and for the future. If you just made that decision, here's what we want to do. We want to come alongside of you. In your communication card, there's a place for you to let us know you made that decision. Give us your information. There's a box there that says, this morning I pray to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Take that card out to the help center on the atrium. Give it to someone. We want to come alongside of you and just, we want to just encourage you and walk with you in this journey. All right? We're going to have help counselors on both sides, the life care counselors on both sides of the auditorium afterwards that can help you. But for the rest of you, listen. Stand firm through the rest of this week. Stand firm next Sunday. Stand firm in a month from now. Realize you're in a battle and it's not going to end. And it may not let up. It may only get worse. But instead of fighting for victory, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you belong to him, you are a born-again believer, fight from victory. You have legal authority over, over Satan. You have been bought with a price. Stop acting hopeless and helpless and powerless and get your head up and start living out why God put you here on this earth to take the words of Jesus, the gospel and to spread it all over this community. Be his ambassador of peace and let's together win this community to Christ. Let's together lock shields and take the gospel out of here in a powerful way so that every person in this community has an opportunity to come to Christ. As long as you're feeling defeated, as long as you're down in despair, the whole deal, I realize there are times like that, lock shields with somebody, but as long as you're there, you're not effective. You're not effective in this battle. Realize who you are and start fighting from a position of victory instead of for victory. Help us today with that. In Jesus' name we pray.